Welcome to Kaplan's Learn Better podcast. My name is Stuart Pedley-Smith, Head of Learning at Kaplan UK. In this series, you're going to hear from both students and experts as we take a look at a range of topics related to personal and career success in the world of accountancy and finance. You may well have heard someone use the term digital transformation before. It sounds futuristic and slightly mysterious, suggesting the organisation will somehow emerge newer, shinier and better. But it's far more practical than the description suggests, and is an area that finance professionals will increasingly find themselves either leading or being part of both now and in the future. To help us better understand what all this means is my guest today, Kat Bond, Head of Partner Consulting and Verticals at Zero, who developed cloud-based accounting software for small businesses. Kat, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Kat, you must tell us about your role, um, Head of Partner Consulting Verticals. It's two separate parts. It's Head of Partner Consulting and Verticals. And so starting with the partner consulting piece, um, I have a team of around about 40 people who work with our zero customers, predominantly accountancy practices and bookkeepers. And they are all either ex-accountants or ex-software implementers or ex-bookkeepers, and they form a team of experts. Um, So they're experts in digital transformation and in workflows and in ways of using Xero's products and some of our ecosystem products to then help streamline processes within a practice. Uh, We have this view that kind of experts still need experts. I think it's really important that we don't all try and launch into this path of digital transformation without getting some tips from people who've seen it go well and also seen it go badly in some instances. And so that's the whole intention of the partner consultants. Uh, The other side is the verticals piece. Um, And verticals is all about standardizing um, accounting processes, really. So looking at different industry verticals and looking at how you would implement things slightly different to benefit a different industry vertical. So that might well be for landlords, for example, or for the construction industry and saying, well, okay, what do we do differently in this area of business that then means we can put the most streamlined process in place to serve those different verticals? Perfect. Thank you for that, Kat. Makes perfect sense that I suppose it's the the acknowledgement of the technology within the domain, Mm. isn't it really? That technology is not a one size fits all answer that it's got to adapt to the industry to which it's in. Kat, I, I want to just take you back a little bit. Your family had an accounting firm and you used to help them. I think you said from the age of 15 mm-hmm. and you loved it um, so much. You did a degree in business and financial management, but then you started to work in audit and I'd, I'd got that it all went wrong, but of course it might have been <laughs> that it actually all went right. You moved into sales, loved that even more, but then kind of somehow found your way back into accounting. Tell us a bit about that. I guess I never really went away from accounting, if we're honest. So I started as a trainee accountant after doing plenty of work experience and it just wasn't for me. I, I really wanted to love it. So I did end up in a graduate trainee role and it was graduate trainee sales role. And I remember at the time thinking, oh God, this is like, do I really want to do this? Is it a terrible thing to do? And I worked for a company called Iris, who were a software company. Oh. And so I went into accounting software. So I kind of stayed quite close to accounting, but in a different discipline. And then managed to progress through a number of roles and into a management role. And then eventually ended up um, heading up our consulting team and so now I have a lot of accountants that work around me and so I guess in a, in a strange way I've kind of 
left accountancy in practice, but always stayed close to accounting and tax software throughout my career. Mm. I think this idea that, you know, once an accountant, always an accountant type is a bit narrow, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? That it's it's a big industry. People have uh, trained in certain disciplines and then moved into different industries. And then over a career of 15, 20 years, it's just all changed, hasn't it? It has. It's quite nice to look back and see how much things have evolved without sometimes you necessarily realising the extent of evolution in the industry. Yeah. You put digital and you put transformation with it and it sounds like it's something a little bit more complicated than it is, isn't it? So in the context of obviously in the, in the podcast, what, how would you define digital transformation? In its simplest forms, digital transformation is just integrating technology into your workflows to make sure that you have the most streamlined workflow that you can have, that you're taking away unnecessary areas of human interaction and using automation as and where possible. I think fundamentally, though, that does absolutely change the way that people operate. And that's, that's where it becomes interesting when you look at consulting on digital transformation, because there's a lot of people that want to take what they do and then turn that into just a digital version of what they do when right. the reality is that we probably just need to rethink. You often see um, conversations around hybrid meetings, for example, and saying, well, actually, like, why don't we try and do this in a hybrid format? But then there has to be a certain degree of consideration for a hybrid meeting. It's not just a case of, well, we'll go run our meeting in a room and then we'll get some people to log in remotely and we'll expect everyone to have the same experience. It's almost then say, well, actually, what do we do differently to make it a hybrid meeting? And how do we then make sure that everyone's connected and everyone's involved? And what tools can we use? And so to a certain degree, it's it's not kind of papering the cracks with just new technology. It's actually changing what you're doing with that new technology to give you a better solution overall. Yeah. And I suppose that's where the, you know, I've been playing with the two words, the digital transformation. I say when I put them together, it seems more complicated. But when you think of <laughs> transformation, i.e. in transforming something from something else, mm. it, and the way that you described your role, it sounds more like a change management piece on one level. And once people have accepted that there's a need to change, then you kind of find the technologies that will fit within the, the desired objective. So once you know what you're trying to do, i.e. we're trying to teach somebody something, you step back, you figure out that it's not to copy what you did in the classroom. Um, the answer is to do it a different way. Then you've got to get everybody to change their perception, change their work practices. If not, when you bring the technology in, they're just going to say it doesn't work. Yeah. Or it doesn't do it how I want it to do it yeah. or how I'm used to doing it. There's also things that you kind of have to look at what's the payoff of doing those things and what's the cost. And there's some things that you might might decide that actually it doesn't make sense to have an app to do things in certain instances or um, that you might want to have more engagement from your team. So maybe you've got trainees in a practice and you want to get them involved more so in certain parts of um, a process so that they're still skilling up and they're still learning. And so... It's not always just about the one thing you want to change. It's about mm. what you want the actual outcome to be and what the challenges are across the entire process and not, not just an isolated part of the process, which then help you make the better decisions for your practice about how you actually then want to um, change potentially not just your workflow, but the service line that you deliver or the teams that you work with and how people interact throughout the journey. Mm. 
Yes. Hi, I'm Sandil Malikarchi from Sri Lanka. I'm 21. I did SEMA and I'm currently employed as a senior associate in risk advisory at TY. I think at the moment the future of finance seems a little optimistic. The companies around the world and here in Sri Lanka are adapting to the once thought impossible digital transformation quite well. Personally, um, I have had to work from home for the most part of the past couple of years. Uh, what I miss the most, I think, is the office banter and going out with my work friends. I wouldn't say the pandemic changed my career or academic goals, but it certainly did emphasize how fragile some of our assumptions are. I just ask you about recruitment just a little bit because I'm just curious about the types of people that work within your organization given that you know so thinking through the the, the accounting lens and the the idea that you know what you learn in finance is you know a little bit of attention to detail you know discipline mm-hmm. organization logical thinking um do, do you look to recruit from finance how, how do you determine the skill set because it's quite different, isn't it? You've got quite a team yeah. you're trying to build. Yeah, so we um, we have a real range of people at Zero. Uh, a lot of my team are ex-accountants, whether or not they've been management accountants or practice accountants. But right. we also have some people that haven't worked in finance at all. I don't know if you've heard of Patrick Lencioni. Oh, no, no. But he's a management consultant. He's got some fantastic books. Um, and one of the things that he writes about is the ideal team player. And the ideal team player talks about individuals having three kind of personality profiles, I guess you could class them as. Um, but he basically talks about people being humble, hungry and smart and that the ideal team player has equal quantities of being humble, hungry and smart. And that's something that we we use a lot when to underpin, I guess, our, our recruitment more so now. It's not solely what we look at, but... We like to look for people with the traits of an ideal team player because our view is that you can get all these different skills, you can build people up, you can educate people along the way, but you need people to be part of a team. I'm just thinking of that individual who sort of sees it as a as a I'm still in I'm still an accountant, but I'm I'm working in another organisation at the moment. But how better or more rounded will they be when they go back, if they go back into that main... Yeah. You know, I mean, what a great skill set. Wherever, look, and they might go and do something else. It's that. It's a, it's a great training ground, isn't it? Yeah. Back to the sort of my mainstream digital transformation. How, how does it work and what advice have you got along the way? So what would a typical process be? So you may well be starting off looking at a practice that has um, a couple of hundred incomplete record jobs that they're saying, hey, we want to take these and we want to do something smarter with them. We're not getting people through the door who want to do this type of work as much anymore. We're finding it hard to recruit and it's becoming costly. Mm. What can we do that then streamlines um, the processes that we have? And um, we would initially start off with our sales team going in there and working through, well, what is it that you, what is it that you're looking to achieve? Like what, what do you want the outcomes to be? What What's really painful for you and which bits do we need to look at initially? And then they would kind of build a project around that with support of our consulting team to say, well, having looked at the flow of work you have at the moment, 
they'll follow the journey of the work through the practice, then our recommendations to you would be that you consider doing the following things. Um, and in turn, we'd provide consultancy along the way to support the actual um, shift from current state over to future state. On paper, it looks really simplistic. The reality is that there's a lot of humans along the way that you need to then change the mindset of. If mm. you want everyone to buy into what you're doing, they need to know why they're doing it, how it impacts them, because otherwise you just create fear. You have people questioning, well, what happens to my job if this, if we start using this software that's going to take my job off me and then we'll not need anything. And then what you tend to have is um, different approaches because different people want different things out of transformation. So you might approach a... Um, a team of accountants who are working on a portfolio in a different way. You would work with them to understand what's their workflow, how how do they want to benefit from any changes? Because for the group of accountants working on that portfolio, they might not necessarily be thinking about the impact to the overall accountancy practice. They're just thinking about their day-to-day -day and how does it impact what they're doing, their relationship with the client. And so that's one part of work that you have. The other Part of work that you have then is is working more so with those people that are more so looking at the impact on the overall firm and what they need from this transformation and what what needs to happen for it to be deemed successful and so the definition of success is going to differ dependent on mm. who you're dealing with and in turn the approach that you use is going to differ yes i don't what strikes me about what you've described is you didn't really mention technology no people it's people isn't it Mm. It's 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 yeah yeah you know, and it's almost like I think you need a new title cat. I mean, it needs to be something like <laughs> people transfer people transformation <laughs> with a bit of digital at the end of it. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. it's, it's, it's almost like such an important you know it, it, important sort of piece, isn't it? Um, I just want to talk with uh, just just briefly about the the role. You, we've talked a lot about people really, but what about the threats of you know, and, and you must come across mm -hmm. this a lot where people go, you, and you've alluded to it just, you know, but yeah, you've got AI and blockchain and all these yeah. new technologies. What, what, where do people fit into that? What do you say to people that say, well, is this going to replace me? And you're doing a terrible thing, in fact, you know, you're, mm -hmm. you're, you're taking people's jobs away. Oh, we, we do get that. Since I entered the accounting industry, I've been told about how compliance is dying and that it's not going to need humans and it'll be done magically. I just think it's rubbish. I think it's absolute rubbish that compliance is dying because the fact is we're getting more of it with MTD. And so we do, the compliance That's is still there. It's making tax digital. Yeah. Yeah. With making tax digital. So it's still there. It's still important. There's um, more expectations of what gets submitted. Um, which makes sense. And I, I understand that the idea of making it digital then means that there's more automation. But whilst you could get a machine or an algorithm or a piece of software to go and post up numbers for you, that machine and that software and that algorithm doesn't have a personality. It doesn't have a way of interpreting those numbers and it doesn't have logic. It literally, ha or maybe it does have logic, but it doesn't have the ability to go and say, well, this is because of this. It's literally just publishing numbers. And so the part of a human is there and it will always be there for the advisory piece. You also have the ability to 
preempt some of that compliance as well. And you'd probably need a human there as well at this point in time to say, if you were to do X, Y, and Z, then that would have the following impacts. And yeah. um, what we don't often talk about is the new roles that come off the back of digitization. So we talk about the loss of a specific role, um, the loss of certain parts of a role. So when, when people go back to this compliance is dead message, it's like, oh, well, we'll not have a year-end accountant anymore. Well, maybe you won't have a year-end accountant in exactly the same guise as what you currently have a year-end accountant. However, what you might have is an evolution of that role that then means that you've got a more interesting role. Mm. So you've got someone that is going through and is being an advisor and is looking at the data and they're looking at ways that a business can grow and ways that you can prevent something happening, that you can look at business survival more so, that you can, there's so much to be gained from digitization. It's not just a case of it'll replace roles, it will create roles, it'll mm. bring a new world. Mm. And, and one thing we, which you've alluded to, which I'll, I'll just, I'll finish on really. I've kind of dissed the, the, the digitization side and said it's all about people. But obviously when you bring the digital part back in, you get data. You know, the, you, you, and you, you sort of say, what's the end? You know, kind of we start with what, what, what people want at the end. And I'm sure they'll say, we want more information and we want more data out of the system. But, but that is the, it almost feels that that's the byproduct of, of the journey, mm -hmm. isn't it? Once you get the people lined up, then you can sort of go, oh, and by the way, here's all the data that you said that you wanted in the first place. Yeah, and I think um, if we've got all this data to hand, it can only be a good thing. And, and at, at points we are gonna have to like compare different systems, I understand that, but ultimately data is a great indication for us. It's a great grounder for us. It helps us to actually know are the decisions we're making the right decisions or are we making those decisions just from gut feel? But I also think that you're going to get to a point where accountants have, certainly in, if you're looking more so at daily accounting, they're going to have so much more information for the businesses that they work with that they'll be able to do so much more. But I I think accountants really are unsung heroes in our world that it's so easy for people to say, I just need an accountant for my tax return. But the reality is that it's accountants that keep our economy going. It's accountants that were there all the way through COVID that supported on furlough claims that made sure that everything kept ticking over. And a lot of this just goes unnoticed because people think of it as compliance. But as the world evolves, mm. that role becomes more and more important. We're definitely going to keep that one in. Accountants keep the economy going. That'll be a, that'll be a soundbite. Cat, look, fascinating. Thank you. Let me see if I can summarize it and then i'll come back to you for a few final thoughts so digital transformation is about improving the way that we do things it's not an academic exercise but a process that for many businesses is essential if they're going to prosper in the future and accountants are probably ideally placed given their sort of knowledge of the business their i suppose their background and their training to actually move into this area if they want to, or uh, to be honest with their career, might find themselves um, being thrown into it. And if everything goes right with the digital transformation, what the, the, you know, the, we end up with better data that ultimately helps us make better decisions, and that that can't be a bad thing at all. Is is, is there anything I've missed, or and 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 if not, is the big takeaway for the audience? that you'd want to leave them with. And it might be the Canton quote, but we've got that one. So <laughs> that one will stay in. Um, and any reading materials that people 
podcasts or websites that people could go to? There is a fantastic podcast. It's actually run by two people that work in practice um, called Digitools in a Cruel World. That's, that is accounting humour for you, isn't it? <laughs> it is accounting humour for you. Um, it's, it, it looks at a lot of the um, SaaS providers that are out there at the moment and a lot of the different digital tools that are out there at the moment. So it, it's a fun podcast to listen to. A lot of my personal reading is more so about people leadership, and that's just because of the world that I've ended up in. So the Lencioni books are fantastic when you're trying to build a team that's willing to challenge each other and be high-performing. The other book that I I find challenges my mindset a little bit, but I also really, really enjoy reading is a Matthew Syed book called Rebel Ideas. It's all around cognitive diversity and making sure that you have different people represented in a team because naturally most humans will employ someone that is most like them. It doesn't mean that you get the most diverse thinking. And so that's quite an interesting book. Um, it's one I've read a few times, but I do go back to it just to remind me from time to time. Kat, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Kaplan's Learn Better podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts to help more people find us. Let's continue the conversation. Follow us on social at Kaplan UK and let us know what you'd like to hear discussed on future episodes.